The internet is the first thing that humanity has built that humanity doesn't understand. The largest experiment in anarchy that we have ever had. Eric Schmidt. Hey, my name is Zach and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople in the blue-collar middle class. I'm hoping to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any adult content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. All right, today I'm joined here again by Mark from the podcast, Hey Mark, and uh, we're going to have a little discussion on social media in general, the internet, you know, just just all walks of the internet with my resident uh, other fellow millennial who's a, a few years younger than me, so I figure you're probably the best person to, to pick your brain about what's going on and hopefully gather a few tips to how to actually use social media today too. Oh yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Zach, what's going on, bro? And I got to apologize. Nobody else is going to know this, but I got to come forward and say I'm super late. I've fucked up the schedule. Sorry, I'm swearing as well, but I, uh, I was at the gym. I'm late and Zach was patient, waited for me. So I didn't get kicked off today, but thank you, Zach, for your patience. And, uh, thanks for having me on tonight, man. It's all good, man. Hopefully that uh, pre-workout hasn't lost its edge yet, and you still got a little bit of kick in that for tonight. Oh, we're good to go, man. We're <laughs> good to go. Right on. So I figure we could uh, talk about social media, and I, I imagine that most people are going to expect me to go just into the negatives of it, because, I don't know, recently that's been seemingly the theme of the show. But I, I also wanted to talk about, obviously, the the pros of it, because I think it'd be kind of dishonest uh, when we, we both have podcasts and we kind of use social media as our main engine for attracting audiences, engaging, and just just trying to grow this thing, right? So I figure we could start off with some of the good things and uh, and kind of roll from there. Yeah, absolutely. You want me to just think of like my bet, like my best, my favorite things about it, you think the best things? Yeah, it's a, yeah, we can kind of have a, a talk back right, and forth probably. about that. I've got some some pointers here too, but I think uh, yeah, we can yeah. start off that way and then and then move move from there. Dude, my favorite. So my, there's a couple of things I really really like, and this is actually something I've been trying to rack my brain on as well because like especially focusing like with my pet podcast on mental health, like no generation has ever had to deal with the impacts of like social media before. So it's like actually pretty interesting to see the impacts of social media on our mental health but in terms of like the actual pros behind it because everyone always labels it as like a negative thing i think like one of the biggest pros is like you said man like people like you and i who are like little guys trying to start something and we're trying to gain traction like the only way you could ever get into the media before other than just like kind of mailing in your newspaper your local newspaper was like trying to get on tv and like you'd already have had to have money to get like a spot on TV or a spot on radio or anything like this. Whereas like, this is an opportunity for like guys like you or I, or, you know, even guys in less fortunate positions where they've got literally nothing but a computer or a smartphone. And it's like, dude, you can get your message out there. You can be heard. Like this is an opportunity for like, you you know, probably the fairest game it's ever been to get your voice out there. I know there's obviously censorship issues we might talk about today, but um oh yeah well being canadians we got that to roll into too but yeah exactly but yeah man i i think that's a i think that's a really good point and it's it's definitely true i mean you know anytime you're trying to grow brand uh 
you got to kind of utilize social media. It's one thing that I'm very bad at that. I'm, I'm pretty open about <laughs> just being terrible at Bro, it, whether too, it be, whether I it fucking, be, I hate it too. Oh yeah. Whether it be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is about the only one I've got a little bit of a handle on. I think that's being in my early thirties that I, I kind of grew up when that started. But, but as soon as Instagram and Twitter came along, I'm like, Oh, I'm lost. <laughs> I've got, I've got no traction in that game at all. Dude, we got to be like, we're probably on the cusp of it, bro. Cause I feel like you're a little bit older and you're better at Facebook and I'm a little bit younger and I, I feel like I'm stronger in Instagram. So I feel like we we're on that cusp of the age, bro. Oh, I agree. Well, it's funny even just look, looking at like trying to take again, gain any traction on any of this stuff. Like it's, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a challenge, but it, it's fun. You know, it's all part of this thing that we call podcasting. And uh, I know you're on the same kind of journey as I am. So I'm, I'm embracing it. You know, the, the grind is always a lot of fun and hopefully one day I can look back and really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm trying to basically, yeah, try and figure out what I can do that works, exploit that as much as I can, like push the button that gives good results as much as I can. Yep. And dude, like, I think like, yeah, for me and you, like, I think like it's, we're just uncomfortable with this. We just don't like doing it. Like, I don't know about you, but I have a like strong distaste for doing anything. And I'm like, Fuck, okay, I got to do this now. <laughs> what is it about that? Is it, is it just that, because for me personally, it's like nagging people. Like I don't want to be on the top of somebody's feet or nagging them all the time. I mean, hell on my, my personal Facebook page, I don't even share half of the, the podcast episodes anymore just because I don't want to be a nag in everybody's timeline. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's because I did sales for like three years. I don't even give a shit about nagging people anymore, man. For yeah. me, it's like, man, like, I just don't want that taking a part of like so much real estate in my brain. Like, I just think about it too much. And I'm like, you know, maybe I need to learn more about this. Maybe I need to learn more about that. And it's like, it just consumes me. And the other thing is, is too, like, I get stuck in the trap, bro. Like the second I open it up, I'm like consuming, consuming, consuming. And it's like, bro, like, wait a second, I opened this app to try and share my stuff. And now all of a sudden, I've been watching 45 minutes of IGTV clips. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty easy to get caught, caught in that, uh, that wormhole. I've, I've definitely fallen into it on YouTube before where you're watching one video trying to figure out how to how to fix a part on your car or something. Then all of a sudden, you're watching, you know, race videos from 10 years ago, and you don't even know where the last two hours have gone. Yeah, or how to fix your kitchen tiles with like instant noodles and shit. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you know what? You know what videos I will fall into hours on are like those those kids in like the Amazon tribes who are building like some underground hut or something. And I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll all of a sudden look up at the clock and I've spent the last 90 minutes watching some guy dig a moat around some underground cave. Yeah, man. I die and... 3D printers always get me and anything robotic. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, another another positive that I've kind of, that I kind of figured, I've, I've got a little bit of a list that I'm going off of here. But, you know, uh, the other one, I mean, they can obviously get, get blown out of proportion a little bit or pick up, you know, a real wave of momentum behind them. But the other thing, too, that is good is kind of social causes can finally gain some attention thanks to social media. And I mean, you know, that that can be a really good thing, whether it whether it's, you know, with mental health, what your podcast focuses on. I mean, that's that's one cause that I think a lot of people can get behind. And it's nice to be able to go on to social media and see people's personal stories and, and really hear them and get to, you know, because you're not going to encounter that kind of stuff in everyday life. Not typically anyway. Uh, yeah, social causes and. You know, it's actually funny because 
I was going to say as well, it, it, it almost has like, um, yeah, with social causes, I'm trying to find a way to kind of word this, I suppose, but it kind of gives an opportunity for like different, op- like uh, different opposing views to be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, say for example, like, you know, in BC here, we're dealing with all these pipelines and there's all this, like, you're talking about like the first growth logging and all this stuff. Right. Yeah. So it, you obviously get the side of like the perspective from, you know, watching your TV, watching your mainstream news, like reading a newspaper, however people get their news. Right. But you also have the opportunity to hear so many other different opinions because, you know, you can open up Instagram and depending who you follow, who you talk to all the time, like you might get a bunch of different opposing views to those things. And you can hear actually each individual view. Whereas like we were saying before, like the only time you could get a message out is if you were paying for like television ads, radio ads. So like it would be only the richest, wealthiest people getting their, their messages out there. Whereas now it's like, not only do you get social causes, you get so many different opinions on social causes and you can actually see different, if you're willing to look at different, you know, opposing views, you can actually go out and see and hear all these different things. Whereas like, you might just be being fed a bias if you're just, you know, like how we, we didn't have social media before. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a really important aspect and it's funny because it would roll. Well, we can go right into this topic now too. I mean, we can, we can come back to other ones, but this was another thing that I find is really important about social media. And it's specifically, again, like I'm not a big fan of people being, you know, banned or, or, blocked off of Twitter or anything like that. It's, it's just because it's because, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to take people out of kind of the public space, you end up pushing them into a lot of dark corners on the internet. And I think, I mean, I've kind of referenced back this in an episode previous, I can't remember which one, but there's a real danger in that when you kind of, kind of get these groups um, out of just out of the public eye and you can really start to create those cycles of groupthink where you have again no opposing views so again the exact opposite of what you're talking about because i think that's one real big value of social media as well especially i mean it, it kind of frustrates me when you get like the the twitter handles that are anonymous or they're just some random string of characters strung together or you know same with instagram whatever anything or you've got you know, these, these random alt accounts on Facebook that can spew the most heinous shit you can imagine, but there is no accountability for it. That's the one thing that drives me nuts about social media. But at least if these, these topics are discussed in the open, you can at least hear counter views and differing opinions. But yeah, I mean, when you start to get people uh, knocked off or kicked off, and then you start, uh, you start pushing them into these dark corners of the internet or different, different forums or whatever, whatever type of area you want to talk about or whatever media form that that's where you can really start to create some dangerous cycles. <laughs> and, and so to me, I mean, that's, that's one of the more dangerous aspects of not necessarily social media, but at least the internet in general is when you can really start to push these people into smaller groups and you, you don't get any dissenting voices. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, like the, uh, there's two things I'll say to that, like kind of like cancel culture. Cause obviously like you and I have kind of had our own little conversations about that off air and you kind of know my stance on it. I think it's absolutely ridiculous, but there's two things I will say about it. The first one is it, it actually, it, it brings more attention to the person you're trying to silence because like, say I come on your podcast right now and I say some heinous stuff, right. Mm-hmm. And people like are like, we got to get rid of Mark. He's, 
he's a piece of garbage, right? Yeah. And I get absolutely canceled. But then there's the odd person that hears this episode and they're like, what, why did he get canceled? And they actually deep dive into my rhetoric. So if I have even more dangerous rhetoric out there in, in, you know, my podcast or out on the web, then these people that are asking questions like, Oh, how come this guy got canceled? And they deep dive into my dangerous rhetoric. Dude, that just puts more fuel on the fire. Like it actually, you know, like there were so many people, like, I don't know if you ever, you've ever followed that, uh, like Milo Yiannopoulos or whatever guy. I'm familiar with him anyway. Yeah. But like, so like say he got canceled. Right. And I don't know a ton about the situation, but say he was a dangerous guy. Think about how many people dug into who this guy is and how many people were listening to his rhetoric. And if he did have something dangerous that he was saying, like whoever canceled them brought so many more listeners to that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And even the idea of, you know, again, we think of martyrdom as this really, uh, this great act. But if you if you create a martyr out of somebody like that too, it has the exact same effect for the followers, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, exactly. It strengthens it. Exactly. And it draws more people into that cause and more people into their uh, audience, I guess you could say. But to me, I, yeah, I have the exact same views. It's almost it's counterproductive when you do start to cancel people or label them as dangerous because you, you're right. You do cause people with like-minded tendencies to follow them wherever they go. And then again, create these, these vicious, just groupthink scenarios where there is, there is now no longer anybody keeping an eye on it or, or even talking back to it at all. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then the other aspect of it, which I think you even covered on your podcast before is like, if, if you and I get in an argument and there's other people that are bystanders, I wouldn't want you to be quiet because I think I'm right. So yeah. I'd want you to sound wrong in front of these people so they could agree and jump on, you know, like I would want bandwagoners on my side of the argument. I wouldn't want you to be quiet. Cause that, that kind of allows you to just sit back and I sound like an idiot. I oh, would yeah. want you to be louder if I think you're wrong. Cause then so many people could like, you're, your flaws get exposed, the flaws in your ideology. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I, I share the same opinion. And it's actually the the thought process that I kind of use anytime. You know, it's not very often that I'll engage on social media, not in the the comment section or anything. But that is that's the kind of the mentality that that I use. I'm not necessarily trying to change the opinion of the person that I'm talking to, because a lot of people do get locked in. Uh, The ego kind of kicks in. And they just don't want to be wrong at all. Costs. Oh, that's me. Literally me. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and that, that's something that I've tried to, to combat in myself, but it's something that, you know, we've all got it. it there, there's no point denying it. But uh, when I do kind of encounter that online more, my thought process is trying to stay calm, cool, and collected for the people who are looking at this, like the third party kind of looking in and seeing this back and forth, because those are the people who, may have their opinion swayed it's not necessarily the person you're dialoguing with directly like i said a lot of them get entrenched pretty firmly in their opinions and there's nothing you're going to do to change that but you may be able to sway people who are looking at this and reading and trying to figure out what side of an issue that they're on yeah so i yo this is kind of not really connected to social media but i guess it kind of might tie back in later but like why do you think like because i feel like uh when you talk to like kind of different people you you talk to some people and they're like you know i find like having conversations like you and i where it's like let's try and get to the truth right like it's like i don't really know like i think i have a pretty good idea or a direction of where the truth lays 
But yeah. like, let's try and get to it. And then there's other times you have conversations where someone's like, you you could even know that they've only got like 30% of the facts and they're so dead set. They're like, this is the fucking truth. Mm-hmm. Like, what, why do you think that difference is in people? Like, Have you ever thought of that? Like why some people are like, oh, let's find the truth. And other people are like, I have the truth. Well, I think, <clears throat> so again, this goes back to the, there was actually a personality test that I took. It was uh, understand myself, I believe.com. But anyway, it's like an $8 test, but it's worth it because you, you, you end up finding out just a lot about your own personal qualities. It takes you maybe 15, 20 minutes to finish this test. Um, but but you end up finding out a lot about yourself. And I think one of them is trait openness, where people are actually open to hearing other ideas. It's it's one of the big five characteristics. And I think it's I think it's important. But then it also comes down to like, are you familiar with the Dunning-Kruger effect? I might have to jog my memory. Oh, okay. So the Dunning-Kruger effect, actually, you know what? Rather than butcher it with my own uh thing i'm going to look it up and give you an exact definition it's like a social experiment or? no it's a it's a cognitive bias so the denning kruger effect is a hypothetical cognitive bias stating that people with low ability at a task overestimate their ability so basically what it is is when people start to gain you know it's kind of it's kind of the opposite of the imposter syndrome right where if you have the imposter syndrome which i absolutely absolutely have like where you just feel like you're talking out of your ass. Like you aren't, uh, you aren't an expert. You're openly not an expert and you're constantly questioning your own opinion. Like whenever I'm coming at anything, I try to take the stance that I'm for sure wrong, or at least I'm wrong about 50% of what I'm talking about. And there is, I I can get swayed, but the Dunning-Kruger effect is if you have, like you said, maybe 30% of the facts, 25% of the facts, you immediately assume that you are an expert on the topic. And I think that, I think that, you know, the internet, well, the internet in general, but then social media is just the outlet for it. But I really do think that the internet kind of exacerbates that because as soon as you get one little bit of knowledge on something, you feel like an expert, right? And then if you do suffer from this Dunning-Kruger effect, like good luck trying to disprove that person because they feel like an expert, despite the fact that they don't really understand much of what they're talking about, but they've got enough facts to then say that, well, this is my opinion and you're not going to sway it no matter what. I feel like my entire life is like a cycle between those two states. (laughs) I think everybody's is, you know, like we've all fallen into, into both of those traps before. It's yeah. I think it's pretty common. Like, I feel like, dude, like, especially going back into work, like, I feel like that's literally what my work is. It's like, I learned a little bit and then I'm like, Oh dude, I can do this in any house now. And then I get to the next house and I'm like, oh shit, I know nothing. I don't even know if I know this anymore. And I completely doubt everything. I'm like, dude, I don't even know if I can frame a wall anymore, man. Like, You know, that's, that's a good relation to make too, especially in what we do where it's primarily residential because until you open up a wall, I mean, if you're opening up a wall from uh, the 1910s or the 1920s, you have no idea what to expect, what the, the state is or, you know, how, how level everything still is or the right angles maybe don't exist anywhere in this house anymore. Like there's a, there's a lot of stuff that you, you kind of have to be very flexible and fluid in the way that you're, you're attacking a a certain task at work. So yeah, I I agree. I can, I can see the relation there. It's a, you've kind of always got to be open when you're, when you're dealing with renovations or any kind of additions to a house Uh, you you've got to work with what you've got. So it's a, yeah, there's a there's a lot of learning to, that goes into that kind of stuff. I mean, you can be an expert, you can know how to fix it, but you got to be flexible in the in the path that you take to completing the job. 
Dude, that makes so much sense though that you bring up that it's called a Dunning Kruger effect. Like yeah. Kruger, like Kruger, like the German name, like of uh Kruger, what do they do? Well, that's a company name. Yeah, I was just thinking Freddy Krueger, but yeah, Freddy Krueger. It's the Dunning Kruger effect. That's cool, man. That makes sense, dude, because you look on social media and you see people like, dude, you pick take your pick at any of the hot topics going on right now. I feel like every topic is a hot fucking topic right now, but then it disappears the next week. Surprise, surprise. Yep. But like, dude, like people go nuts. Like within like two days of an event happening, somehow everyone knows everything. And then it's like, dude, a year later, we're still trying to figure out, but somehow you figured it out the first week, like you're an absolute genius. Well, like, ex- dude, that's literally everything. Well, exactly. And then even, I mean, referencing back, I know we've talked about this off air and I think on your podcast, which, oh, we might as well throw a plug in for that too. I was just on your podcast for an episode. So if anybody wants to check out a completely separate conversation we had, it was a, a really good one surrounding work and just the origins of podcasting and you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun in that conversation. We kind of took it a lot of places. And, uh, but that's on your, your podcast. I think it was released last week, last Thursday. So somewhere early June, anyway, you'll, you'll see an episode that has Zach in the title. So definitely check that out and more of your episodes too. But I had a lot of fun last week. Thanks for being on. Oh yeah. I forgot to say that. Yeah, guys, I do a podcast twice a week as well. That's also my thing. I did check try- it out. I did try to at least uh, at least announce that at the beginning. Dude, no, so. it's my fault. I completely <laughs> I fell asleep on that one. We've yeah, been, guys. Yeah. If you haven't checked my podcast, so you can. It's on uh, Mondays and fr- Mondays and Thursday nights at five o'clock. Hey, Mark, you can find me on any platform. And Zach and I have actually had what like two episodes. This is the third episode already that we've done together now yep. on my show. And this will be. Is this the third that we're doing on yours as well? Yeah, I was going to say that's the problem with uh, getting at our links now. We're too comfortable. It's not, it doesn't feel like an interview anymore. Yeah. And I just like assume everyone's listening to mine, but then they're all like, no, we want this Kyle guy back. Fuck Mark. <laughs> Kyle is a very, uh, very polarizing figure on my, my podcast. He cut a bunch of listeners again, but I don't care. They'll come back. So it's, uh, but yeah, definitely check out Mark's podcast. We had a great talk. Um, but what looping back to kind of this conversation with the Dunning Kruger effect, I mean, we both, we've both watched and we've referenced the social dilemma. And so the one, the one dangerous aspect of social media too, that, you know, I've talked about before, but we might as well dig into it again is the fact that as soon as you show interest in a certain topic or a few key buzzwords in a, in whatever articles that you're looking at, that's all that's your social media feed is going to feed you because it's, it's custom designed to you. It's a, it's a user, you know, it's, it's directed by the user. So if you're clicking on all these certain links, it's going to just keep feeding you those links and keep feeding that cognitive bias, right? It's going to keep reinforcing it. And I think that is one really dangerous and sneaky aspect of social media that, you know, I'm happy for that documentary. I think it, it really opened my eyes. I'm sure it opened a lot of people's eyes, but at least, at least it is kind of roughly a little bit better known now but at the same time that is a sneaky dirty aspect of social media that just drives into more social division and you know what so this that i love that documentary man and it's actually really funny that it was put out when it was put out and who it was put out by because it's like it was put out on netflix and it's not like netflix is doing anything different Right. Like they're trying to do the exact same thing of showing you the things that you want to see, showing you related TV shows, showing you related movies. I'm sure that they're doing a lot more stuff with your information than we know about. But I just think that that's such a funny thing. 
And, and the other thing about that, that documentary that actually helped me out, it gave me a new perspective on something else because, you know, I always looked at people that were like addicted to social media, even myself. And this is kind of more like a reflection on myself. And I'm like, man, why can't you get off it? Like, I'm kind of like doing the victim blaming thing where I'm like, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. And watching that documentary made me realize like, dude, this is a predatory program. Like this okay. is a program that's full on trying to attack your attention. Like it's literally looking for the real estate in your head, man. And what? that's why, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You finish your point and then I'll jump in. I'm like, well, that's why I get pissed off at myself now. Like I try and monitor myself. And if I'm like on Instagram, cause that's probably the most used social media platform for me. Like if I'm on Instagram and I feel like I'm getting upset about shit, I get more upset about the fact that I let myself do that. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's something I agree about and I'm like, Oh my God, this is so obvious. How come nobody else fucking agrees with this? Why isn't this common sense? And then I'm like, man, why am I feeling this emotional about seeing a picture? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I understand now it's like, dude, these programs are attacking us. Yeah. And I think at least you're aware of that. And I think a lot of, a lot more people are aware of that nowadays too. But I mean, yeah, as long as you keep that in mind that they're trying to elicit that emotional response, you know, because it's going to get you to read more. It's going to get you to dig more into the to stuff that they're, they're putting into your feed. And the other thing to keep in mind, like, and it goes through it perfectly in the documentary is that they're monetizing every second of your attention, you know, every fraction of a second, like they're, you know, if you scroll and you just whip right past something, they know that it doesn't have your attention because it's 0.004 of a second or whatever that, that it was on your screen. Whereas if all of a sudden you're reading something for even one second or up to five seconds, whatever it is, they can sell that ad space for you. So now they're targeting these ads to you because they can sell it again by the second. They can track your attention, what is on your screen for how long at a time. And it's just, <clears throat> I don't know, It's you're right in calling it predatory. I don't know how else to put it, but it uh, all it seems to be doing is is furthering that divide socially and just on on any given topic, like you said. And I think that's part of why everything feels hot button now, because as soon as they realize they have your attention and if you fall on one side of the fence or the other, they're going to keep beating you that side of the fence and just just strengthen your resolve and strengthen your stand on that side. And it's it's infuriating, <laughs> you know, like it's and I don't know what you do to combat it, like at least your method I think is the best way to go about it. If you start to feel like you're emotionally charged over something that really has no effect over your life, or, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking away from the fact that there are things out there that people should care about that they, they should get engaged in They you know, socially they should care about. I'm just saying that if it's something that really doesn't affect you and that now you have this emotional response to it, like your method is the best, just step away and kind of analyze what's bringing this up in you. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that I can find myself getting emotional about that. I really like, I always think to myself, so like another technique, I'll just kind of throw this out there as a tip is like, if I didn't know about this a week ago, and if I won't care about it in a week from now, I try and not let it get emotional. Like, you know, it's kind of like, I didn't even know this thing existed. So like, before I get emotional about it, let me try and actually understand it. I want my emotions to fall on the right side. That's all I like kind of think about. Well, yeah. And at least, at least being in control of them too. Like you don't feel like you're giving up this control to whatever you're getting fed on your newsfeed. Right. And like, I just feel like it's so easy that when there's not a lot of information out, it's very easy to spin an emotional response because there's nothing, there's no fact, there's no logic that you're able to pull from it. So all they have to ride on is like your emotions. 
So like any story could come out tomorrow and they'll just make it super emotional and it'll, it'll be almost obvious to one side or the other. You know what I mean? Like, because it's not even just support of one side anymore. I feel like it's like support of one side, but also antagonize the other to make them like dehuman, like the, to the side where it's like to the, or sorry, to the point where it's like anyone who doesn't think the same as you now is less than human. Like that's almost where it's at. Yeah. And that's actually what I had spoken about last week that, that really scares me because the, you know, the end goal or the uh, kind of the, yeah, the, the finish line for that is horrible, right? Like we've got to, we've got to still recognize that we can disagree with each other and still realize the humanity in each other. But you're right. The, the, the level of the emotional responses that, that a lot of this stuff triggers or, or digs up is terrifying to me. And that's, yeah, that that's one thing that I really try to keep in mind. And it's also why I try not to engage too much because I get angry, you know, like I, I'll get fired up and I don't want to, I don't want to put that out there. You know, it's, it, I, I can internalize it. I might come back, like I may, might make a comment and then come back a couple hours later, or maybe the next day once it's kind of cooled and I can actually look at it analytically again and be like, all right, what about this pissed me off? What are the facts here? What, what are the facts that I'm trying to convey without just attacking the person as if they aren't a human being? Like, why can't I just get this point across without channeling all this anger into it as well? Yeah. And you know, for a long time I dealt with like, because I, again, this was something that I actually learned in sales, but I, I'm pretty good at like kind of just tiring people out in arguments and just seeming right. Okay. Because I'll just tire the shit out of them. And, you know, even if you get someone to agree with you, it doesn't mean that they're actually going to follow through. It doesn't mean like they're, they're actually going to listen. They're going to commit to whatever they're agreeing to. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, it taught me a lot more to be like, instead of just getting like a verbal agreeance from you or getting like you to just completely shut down altogether. Like I want to actually find an outcome. Like, you know, like, so arguing with people on social media, like your desired outcome is to actually like try and change someone's mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or try and at least let them see you as a human and see like, okay, I could grasp where Zach's coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, there's no way to do that. If I'm like attacking you, if I'm like belittling you, if I'm antagonizing your point of view, if I'm calling you like stupid for it, it's like, I got to think of the actual outcome I'm looking for, which is somehow finding common ground. And that's having a conversation, right? Like, it's not like actually attacking you. It's like, Zach, why don't you just like kind of explain your point of view a little bit more clearly? Because I'm not grasping it. Yeah. Like starting a conversation. I, I think that's a great point. And again, it's something that's kind of lost when you're you're just typing out responses and you're you're commenting back and forth because it's tough to build that common ground. That's why I like uh, why I like the idea of podcasting, why I like the idea of having conversations, because you can hash out some middle ground and it's a lot tougher to call somebody, you know, an idiot like face to face. You know, it's just because you're you're looking at another human being. There's just something different about that that effect. Yeah, well, idiots, I have no problem calling idiots, man. But like, the thing is, if someone's rational, and if they're actually having a conversation, it's a lot more difficult. Right? Yep. Like, that's where it becomes difficult to call someone an idiot is if they're not being an idiot. Yep. Yep. I agree. And yeah, I agree. If they're coming at you with with some facts, or at least some logic behind their argument, then yeah, I completely agree. And 
like, you know, obviously a lot of interactions have been dehumanized over the pandemic just because of the, uh, just the, the shutting down of a lot of our social aspects and places where we can meet up, hang out. But at the same time, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom because I think without social media, like if this had happened, say even 30 years ago, how crazy would people be going? You know, at least like, at least we do have this outlet. Like I've talked about it before, but my grandpa in an old folks home where he was completely locked down, obviously, because they're in a, a very vulnerable population, the the age group and just the, the health of the of the tenants in the building, like they had to be locked down pretty early and for a long time. And I cannot imagine going through that without the technology that we have now. So, I mean, I, I again, I can't bash it because it's there's a lot of pros, especially through this as, as many, you know, obviously there's, I have a fairly long list of cons to it as well, but the pros are there too. And they're, they're equally as important in my opinion. Here's an annoying caveat to that though. Yep. Bring it. Do bring you, it. Yeah. Do you think that, because I think mm-hmm. that a lot of the circumstances we were brought under, I think that, you know, partial lockdowns would have been a better, a best idea, but like, it doesn't really matter where your, your views are on it. Right. Mm. I think that the parts of the lockdown that were dangerous were like the extreme social isolation where people are not talking to their family members. They're not able to have conversations with them face to face. You know, like there's stories that I've heard where people are living in the same houses as other people and they like, can't be in the same room as them. Like there is like, if I was living with Aiden, like we wouldn't be in the same room at the same time and we're wearing masks. Like there's places that were, you know, locked down like that. And that's where I see like huge, huge impacts of social, or I mean, of mental health. Oh, yeah. But what I was going to say is, do you think that as much compliance would have been enforced and as much compliance would have been had if social media was not around? Like, I think a lot of the compliance that came was just from not just um, fear from the government, but fear from your social communities, not wanting, you know, if I'm breaking the rules, I don't want Zach to see me break the rules and post it on Facebook and get everyone in my community to hate me. Well, Do you think that that kind of forced a bit more compliance and not kind of put more people at risk? You know, I, I'm sure it first forced more compliance for sure. I mean, I, again, like, I don't know where I stand on all of that stuff. I definitely, I agree with you. Targeted lockdowns would have made a lot more sense to the vulnerable populations. Um, But at the same time, I mean, I think people did show that they weren't really willing to rat on their neighbors. I know the one big story was New York put in a tip line where they would actually, you know, you'd, you would get an incentive, a monetary incentive to rat out your neighbors if they were breaking the rules. And those tip lines got inundated in the first like 12 hours with just bullshit calls calling on the governor on the mayor like you know just flooding this network to the point where they couldn't handle it they couldn't feel any more calls and they shut it down because people rejected that idea which i thought was incredible like when you started hearing about these tip lines yeah yeah you started hearing about these tip lines popping up fairly early i'm guessing probably march or april of last year Jesus Christ, that's over a year ago. That's crazy. But anyway, um, and and the fact that people were like shouting these down and turning them away, I thought that was really, that was cool to see. J- just the fact that people weren't going along with that because I think you're right. I think that's, you know, that's where things get dangerous when it's neighbors turning on neighbors. And, but you know, it's funny because flipping that around too, like 
I was reading like divorce rates went through the roof because <laughs> once you start getting jammed in the same house and you can't leave, like a lot of people were realizing like, you know, I can handle my wife or my husband for five or six hours a day, but I cannot handle them for 18 waking hours at a time, which I, I thought was hilarious. Like me and my wife were laughing about it, but you know, I mean, a lot of people obviously just, yeah, it, those few extra hours a day uh, really broke a lot of relationships. So you know, I, I don't know where I stand on a lot of it. I, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm just happy that we're kind of getting through and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now, at least locally. And I, I saw even the most locked down province in Canada being Ontario is finally starting to have reopening plans, I think for the 11th. So that's in like four days or something is when they're going to start. It could have been July 1st. I don't know. I saw one in that. Anyway, I, I started to tune out a lot of the news regarding it because it's just, it's a flood, right? Like it's just, you can't, you can't turn it off. Well, evidently I can because I just don't pay attention to it as much anymore. But it was just, it got overwhelming for a bit, man. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about social media in general, because it's just like you can get flooded and overloaded with whatever kind of information you're they're, they're pushing into your newsfeed. And it, it gets overwhelming. And I mean, another reason why I wanted to talk to you is because you have a mental health podcast and you're pretty open about your issues in the past. And I imagine that, that this kind of stuff just would have a massive effect on people's mental health. Yeah, dude, it even has an impact. Like I, obviously I get to speak openly about my kind of stuff because I do have a podcast. And so people think that like, everything's all like perfect sunshines and rainbows, but like it even does play with my mental health. And that's why I say like, I get pissed off and I'm like, man, I don't even want to be on social media. And like, that's why my mindset right now in terms of social media is like, don't consume anything. Just put stuff out. Just don't like, just literally try not to consume anything. Cause like, if people tag me in it, then I'll check it out. Like if you tag me in stories or if someone tags me a post, I'll check that out. But in terms of just like scrolling through my feed, I'm not doing it anymore, man. Like it's actually brutal. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of the whole post and ghost. Like, I mean, anybody who's listening to this podcast is familiar with Rogan, but that's the one thing that he says is just post and ghost, you know, don't read <clears throat> don't read all the comments because you're guaranteed to get some negative ones. I mean, I had, I had uh last week's episode kind of, well, for, for my, for my, uh, you know, in my perspective, it went kind of viral. Like I think this last post has over 180 shares and something, something around 900 uh, reactions to it now. And to me, like that's, overwhelming like it, I, I don't know it's probably got 60 or 70 comments on it now I haven't read the last 50 of them I checked it after I got like 20 comments and I'm like I, I can't deal with this kind of stuff and so to me like <clears throat> a lot of the time it's just realizing and setting your own boundaries to the feedback that you're willing to intake because it's gonna it's gonna batter you down like you've got to kind of set your limits and just you know like the lottery the lottery commercial says <laughs> set your limits and play within it but it's you got to know where your boundaries are. Yeah. I, I try and do a pretty similar approach. I do try and interact with people a little bit, but like my method right now, like when I first started, especially because I'm in the realm of mental health and I talk the way that I talk, I get a lot of people from both sides of the spectrum. Cause I find in mental health, there's kind of two sides of the spectrum. I don't know if I've talked to you about this before, but there's the side that's like, kind of like, Oh, you're, you're perfect. You're awesome. You don't need to change anything and the world needs to adjust to you. Right. And, you know, that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is kind of where I align, which is the opposite, which is like, look, the world's not going to fucking change. Nothing's going to try and make anything easier for your life. 
you know, you might not be the reason that you have the cards in your hand that you were dealt, but it's your responsibility to just like, kind of like do the best that you possibly can with them and improve your situation, man. Maybe get a fucking ace up your sleeve or maybe fuck, you know, like do something like cut some corners where you can, like you got to get ahead as best you can. Like that's kind of the way I look at it. And so I get a lot of people kind of commenting back and forth where some people call me a victim blamer. And then other people will say, I don't push people hard enough. And what I try to do is honestly, like, and I don't know if this feeds into, I guess, echo chambers, but I just respond to the people that respond well or ask questions. And anyone who like kind of attacks anything, I don't even, fucking, you know, when I first started, I'd attack them back because that's just how I am personally. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, dude, I don't even fucking want to talk to people that are negative anymore, man. Like all I want to do is interact with the people that are down with the message that I'm spending, that I'm sharing and everyone else, they get the ghost. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, relating back to what you'd said, I, I can't find the exact uh, speech in front of me here, but the gist of it was, you know, in, in regards to, you know, raising children or, but this can, this can apply to ourselves too, but it's, you want to prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. You know, if you're, if you're thinking of it as a forest, you, you aren't going to pave the forest. You're just going to equip your kid with the proper hiking boots, right. To deal with whatever is in their way. You, you can't clear out every obstacle. And I don't think you'd ever want to, because that's how you really build formidable and capable human beings, right. Where you're able to tackle different, different obstacles that are in your way, different challenges that you face in the path. Cause you're not going to have control over that. And especially as a dad, like looking at my kids, I just want them to be capable moving into the world, right? There's, I'm not going to have, I don't have control over, I don't even have control over their day at school right now. Like what, what they're going to encounter. I just need to equip them to encounter as many different obstacles and variables as I possibly can. So that's kind of, I, I share the exact same view that you do where you know, you're not going to be able to change the world and and twist it into your perfect, your perfect utopia. You're just going to have to make the best you do the best you can with what you've got and what you're facing. Yeah. And like, I, I think it's like, dude, I don't know about you, but my life doesn't get easier and easier as I go. Not at all. So it's like, I better get fucking stronger and stronger. <laughs> Yeah, it's true, man. Like, just wait till you have kids too. There is no, uh, you know, you can read all the parenthood books you want that you can get your hands on, but there is nothing that's going to prepare you for that. And each kid is so different. And it's just, yeah, every single chapter of life throws a whole new set of obstacles at you. And uh, yeah, I think you've got the right mindset for it, though. You just kind of got to tackle it as it comes and adjust. And, you know, as long as you're not too rock solid on anything, you're going to do fairly well. Yeah, that's I think my biggest problem right now is I I do tend to fall into that same problem that we talk about, which is like once I lay a foundation, that's it. That's my foundation. And it takes a lot to rock that for me. But that's why I'm coming from the point of view now where it's like, fuck, I got to ask more questions instead of just yell at people. (laughs) I think I think that's awesome. I you know, I've I've gone through that stage in life, too. I think everybody does like, yeah, I, I, you know, dear. Yeah, it's I think it's a realization that a lot of us come to at some point and it, sometimes it's harder, sometimes it's easier, but we, we all kind of get to that point. Oh, yeah, man. Yo, so I had a question earlier that I was going to ask you. It, it kind of goes back to uh, social media. Yeah, and yeah, it, we got way off course of social media. Hey? I know, I know, I know. Let's, I let's, let's loop back. It. Yeah. Okay, I'll try and bring us back right now. But so you were talking about those tip lines, right? 
Yes. And uh, you're talking about how like everyone kind of like puts out this tip line or whoever puts out this tip line and, you know, people are probably fearful, right? Mm-hmm. They're not fearful of like anything other than just like, fuck, like I was saying earlier, like what if my neighbor snitches on me? But then oh, yeah. what you're saying is the results were actually showing the exact opposite. Like nobody wanted to snitch. In fact, the only people that were snitching were like kind of trolling, like snitching on other people that were kind of enforcing this, right? Yeah. And then we see the same thing kind of with like cancel culture a lot of the time, because like you could talk about a lot of like kind of hot button topics or controversial topics. And you could even say responses that fire people up. And, you know, a lot of people get too scared to say anything. They're like, oh, what if I get canceled? What if I get canceled? But like, you're not getting canceled, bro. I'm not getting like Joe Rogan talks go fucked up shit. He's not getting canceled. You know, like, I don't know why we all have this fear of like, maybe the judgment's not as bad as we think. You know, here's a crazy stat that is probably going to knock your socks off. Do you know how many podcasts there are out there right now? Dude, I have no idea. Approaching 3.3 million. That's fucked. <laughs> so, you know, on the on the one hand, I think like... What percentage oh, of the world is that, is that population? I don't know. The world's probably around 7 billion. So what would 1% of that be? So 10% would be 700 million, 70 million. Yeah. So I don't know, 0.05 of a percent if I'm going off the top of my head. So it's, it's not a lot, but then you think, you think 3.3 million podcasts and there's probably maybe a hundred that are really big. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's kind of funny to think about, but Anyway, the 1%, man, let's eat the rich. <laughs> oh, God. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I, it's just, it's wild to me. It's crazy to uh, to think about that. But anyway, like, what you were saying, what I was trying, the point that I was trying to get to here is that, you know, I do think that there are a lot more people who are opening up with their opinions. I mean, you know, good or bad, like, I think that people kind of speaking their mind is becoming a little bit more mainstream if that makes any sense i mean yeah the the cancel culture has obviously been a pretty hot button topic and it continues to roll on and consume more and more people but at the same time i think there is this kind of big uprising of people who kind of are sick of it you you just see it in again the rising number of podcasts or people who are releasing media i mean i don't think that they count youtube channels in that as far as podcasts go they're just talking about the rss feeds that people are uploading to but there's a there's a lot of small content creators out there right now. And I mean, this can roll into, well, I don't know if we want to get there yet, but uh, like Bill C-10 in Canada, which is trying to basically label any form of media uh, that comes up, it, it can be regulated as a broadcast television program. So that's podcasts, YouTube channels, you know, Facebook lives, whatever it is, whatever kind of media you're uploading as just a single small single guy show or whatever it is but that all gets regulated under the same broadcast standards so basically it's giving them the government sweeping powers to just silence you or cut off your feed if they wanted to right which is terrifying because you know and a lot of the arguments for it are like well it's never going to be used it's you know who do you think you are like you don't matter whatever you're saying it's not that big of a deal that does not matter in the slightest because as soon as they have that power, 
that's written in stone at that point. And all they have to do, I mean, I reference it back to whack-a-mole. Like as soon as one person stands up slightly high enough to gain a little bit of clout, you just smack that down. You don't have to worry about all the other little ones who have no audience. But if somebody starts to develop any kind of an audience or any type of clout, you just smack them down. You know, you're not having to target the whole mass at once. You just have to watch and see where people's eyes are going. And as soon as people start to pay attention to somebody, you've got this legislation right in your back pocket to go smack them down and silence them. And that's, I think that's what people don't seem to appreciate. And again, like I was talking to, I think it was Kyle a few weeks ago, we were, we were kind of loosely talking about Bill C-10, but the idea that, you know, even if the, what if the next government that we vote in, you don't agree with, like, let's say you align with the liberal government right now and their set of standards, their set of values. Okay, fine. I don't, but okay, fine. Let's say you do. And then now the next government that comes in has a totally different set of standards. And now what you're saying is counterculture or counter the government's message. So now they're just going to use this same textbook, this same legislation that now they have in their back pocket to smack you down. I, like, I don't think people ever have a long enough term view on this kind of stuff and what it means to have a, a law written in and, and to have it just existing because it can get used by anybody in the future at the same time. Yeah, I think that that law specifically is really weird. And the weird part about it as well is that it has precedence in other industries as well. So I think that I, I and I will say this as well, I'm going to preface this with saying I completely agree with you with how dangerous this bill is. And I do not agree with it whatsoever. I would, I really hate it. And I think it is extremely dangerous, like I said. Mm-hmm. But I think that you're, you're uh, almost straw manning. Because that's, I feel like not the argument they're giving, it's their back pocket play. And you know about it. And so that's the way you describe it. But that's not the way that this bill is being described, bro. This oh, bill not is at all. being described the same way that it was described in our dairy industry, the same way that it was described in our cell phone industry, the same way it was described in our electricity industry, our healthcare industry, every industry. And this is going to lose a lot of people. They're not going to like a lot of what I'm about to say. But basically, the way that this play works is they say, we need to contain or we need to protect Canadian industry. So Mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to block out, say, in the dairy industry, we're going to block out American milk companies. And we're only going to take, like, say, 50% of the market in Canada has to be Canadian dairy farmers. And then who do you think those 50% of those people representing the 50% of the Canadian dairy is? It's all the big players. It's not mm-hmm. the mom and pop shops. And so the only people that ever end up surviving because of all the regulations they put into this, this market are the people that are at the top. That's why our cell phone industry only has TELUS, Rogers, and Bell. That's why our, you know, it, yeah. in, in BC especially, our auto insurance, there's only one person that we can get it from. And yeah. So this play happens in so many different industries, bro. And now they've found a place say podcasts or YouTube or whatever it is, where yeah, that's any, not any possible. user, any user generated content. Any Yeah. It's not possible right now. So what they're trying to do is basically they're saying we want Canadians watching Canadian people, people that are producing things from Canada. We don't want all of our Canadian listeners listening to the Joe Rogans and the whoever you listen to right now, because they're probably American. We want to protect, you know, protect Canadian people that are trying to make their content. Well, who do you think that these people are going to get boosted? 
do you think it's going to be the people that are, you know, sharing opposing views to whoever's in power or whoever's making these regulations? Obviously, they're not going to be people that put people on that oppose them, right? So yeah. it's whoever is making the regulations. And that's where it gets to what you're saying, right? But there's precursors beforehand, which sounds so sweet, like protecting Canadian people, can you know, protecting the people that are like you and I trying to share a message. We're Canadian podcasters. And that's the message is trying to protect us. But it's like, dude, the second we have an opinion that doesn't align, we're toast. Well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I wish that I knew more about the legislature surrounding yeah, the, the dairy industry. I mean, I'm peripherally aware of that kind of stuff. Same with the with uh, uh, the cell phones, you know, TELUS, Bell, Rogers, that's our only three real carriers. I wish that I knew more about that. I mean, ICBC being the monopoly for um, motor vehicle insurance is, is a joke. But you're right. I, I understand the sentiment that you're sharing. And, you know, it's funny because this bill, Bill C-10, was tabled by the Liberal Heritage Minister. So again, right what you're talking about. And that is how it's being sold, as that it's trying to subsidize and somehow protect Canadian media and get more money into it. But it's We it's saw the crazy. same thing happen with TV, man. You remember when we were a kid and we used to just joke about how all the Canadian television sucked, but we always got it for some reason? The it reason why... <laughs> we yeah, did get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason why we saw so much of it like you would think that in a free market, the best shows would be shown all the time and the shittiest shows would be taken off air. But we were still forced to watch all these weird Canadian cartoons that we wanted to watch South Park. We wanted to watch Family Guy. We wanted to watch all these, uh, the Simpsons or whoever it was, right? And mm -hmm. in a free market, we would have watched all those shows. And we obviously did. But like we were still always confused. Why do we have all these Canadian shows on? And it's because the same legislation has actually been put in. I don't even know when it was put in. As long as I've been alive, it's been around. So I remember having this explained to me in high school by a teacher. But basically, the way that it works is they try and, you know, protect the Canadian producers of this television. And so that's why they have to have a certain amount of airtime dedicated to only Canadian people. And then who are the people that get propagated on that? Like I said, obviously, the people that either have money in it, financial interests, or they just align ideologically. Well, and and I mean, it eliminates competition too, like what you're saying with the free market. Anytime you've got a subsidized industry, uh, they have an unfair leg up on anybody who's trying to produce it independently. So yeah, I, I completely get what you're saying. And thanks to that law, I'm pretty sure it was the reason why I had to watch Caillou and why my sisters all grew up watching Caillou, which is yeah, the and, worst show ever. Ed, Ed and Eddie, man. You remember that show, Ed, Ed and Eddie? I do not remember that one, but Caillou is my most hated oh. cartoon of all time. And my kids aren't allowed to watch it. Yeah. So, now, so now we can get into another aspect of just the internet in general. And, you know, who knows, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's really showing its true colors in this conversation. <laughs> we could be off on some stuff, but the other yeah, thing, that the, maybe canceled. no, no, no. The other, the other interesting thing about uh, the internet in general, I mean, you'd think that if you have the World Wide web at your fingertips, which we all do with our smartphones and everything else, you would think that it would raise the collective like IQ and intelligence of humanity. <laughs> I feel like it's done the exact opposite. All it does is, you know, it kind of, it just puts an exclamation point on where everybody really stands in that, that ladder. And I, you know, it, it's not detrimental. Like I think a lot of people do use it to learn and to further their understanding. That's what 
I try to do. I fail miserably a lot of the time and just get caught into some rabbit hole again where I'm watching car videos or, or racing videos or whatever. But at the same time, like I don't feel that it actually has made us that much smarter or better. It just emphasizes kind of the idiots and gives them a soapbox to yell from. And then, I mean, some people, again, use it well. We, we have a lot of knowledge out there. But, you know, when you've got all these different crazy belief systems out there now and they're just propped up by the internet. I mean, this may come as a shock to you. And it's not like just a meme group or some troll group. For the University of British Columbia, UBC, and this was part of when I was Jesus doing it. Jesus Christ. I'm yeah, just, just wait. When I did a deep dive on Flat Earth, there is a UBC Flat Earth group that has just shy of a thousand members. And again, it's not a troll group. This is probably the most prestigious university in British Columbia, at least. And there are there's a group of just under a thousand people who it's the UBC Flat Earth Society. Fuck, so be it, man. Let him. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. That's natural selection taking its course, man. Uh, we, we don't have enough natural selection anymore. But like, if... yeah, I think I I, I, I kind of see what you're saying, man. And I think it does give strength to those guys. But like, we can't cancel them. Like, that's why I say so be it. Like, let them do their thing, man. Because you know what I think they should do, honestly? I think they should open up fucking you know, flat earth versus globalist. I don't know what they even call people that don't believe in it. Globalists. Is that what they call us? I think we're globe heads. I think globe heads. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of the shape of my head anyway. So I'm actually not <laughs> upset about that, but yeah, I think that, yeah, I think they should open up debate team. I think that debate club is the best way to go about that because you know, I agree. Take, take a thousand. You could even take a full group, take a thousand, but you got to match it kind of numbers. So it's not just like a shouting match take like maybe you're like uh top 10 smartest people and then just fucking debate them take your best points from each guys and just debate them and then you know what and like instead of canceling that group oh i think a lot of those people in the fire group might actually change their base but i think that's the way around it right i wish i wish i had the same level of optimism as you do i really do like it, it was i thought the same thing until i started doing a deep dive and then realizing that any just because they're of... just talking to each other, bro. That's what I'm saying is if, if there's an actual, like, a, like, like, let's take the smartest guys from each group and just sit them in a room and have the debate. Have, like, if it has to be a fucking three hour conversation, so be it. Fine. No, 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 let's no, get like... to it. <laughs> I wish, I wish, like, I, I just remember, yeah, watching these videos and it doesn't matter what type of evidence I... you throw at it. And again, that's that's what I I think with the internet, it just I allows you. I listen to your episode. Man. Oh it's yeah, terrible. not even that, but I mean, like Neil deGrasse Tyson is the devil, right? To to that group, and so like, it, it doesn't matter what level of evidence you throw at it, and that's part of the the down there the negatives I think of the internet is that you can just find any kind of evidence that you want to support whatever opinion you have. It doesn't matter what kind of empirical data is out there. If you've got one opinion, you're going to find people who will reinforce it. And that that's, again, that's, you know, you, you'd think that having all this information at our fingertips would make us all smarter, but I, unfortunately, I don't think it's doing that. Yeah, dude. And that's the other thing I think is brutal about social media, man, is the fact that you just said that, how like Neil deGrasse Tyson is the devil towards those people. And it's yeah. like, why, why is this guy you disagree with the devil? Because like, so for example, I'll use this, man. 
Russell Brand is a guy that I listen to his podcast all the time, like not his actual podcast because it's on a different weird platform or something, but his YouTube content I listen to often. And I don't agree with that guy on probably 80% of the stuff that he talks about. But the 20% of the stuff that we agree on, I really like. Like he talks a lot about social media risks and who owns these companies and why they're legally untouchable. But there's a lot of things that he says that I don't agree with. And like, it's like, dude, he's not the devil to me just because I don't agree with him on 80% of the stuff that he talks about. I just no. don't always watch that, right? I just either watch the stuff I agree with or I try and watch the stuff that I disagree with. And I'm like, why does this guy think this way, man? He's so smart in other ways. And I think that's the importance of like long form, not even conversations. You can have a, a solo podcast where, you know, like Russell Brands, a lot of his are solo where he's just talking things out. He's got a monologue. Same with somebody like Bill Burr. Um, it, it, it allows you to see the different nuances in people, right? It's, it's not that you don't, I, I mean, I doubt that I'm going to find anybody out there who I agree with a hundred percent on everything. I, I just, I don't see it. Like I, I can agree with somebody on 98% of things, but then maybe they've got one view that I, I don't ascribe to. Right. But I think that's the importance of these longer form conversations or, or longer form monologues, whatever you want to call them, where you can actually get to know a person. You, you'll, you may disagree with them on this point, but you agree with them on this stuff. So, you know, you'll, you'll take the good with the bad, as long as the good is outweighing the bad, then, you know, you're going to, you're going to come there for more of that information. Or if you, if you really do, uh, resonate with one part of the message that they're giving, like, you know, it, it, people aren't, people are nuanced. People are, are fascinating and interesting and you've got all these different opinions and you can, you can really glean some good knowledge off of somebody. Even if, like you said, you disagree with 70 or 80% of what they're saying, they may have that one key bit of information that you're really looking for. Yeah. And I think that it's like, once you find like one or two things that you kind of agree with them on, you're like, oh, this guy agrees with me on this. So he yeah. obviously has some intellect. Like, it's like that weird bias where it's like, oh, he thinks <laughs> yeah. the same as me. So he's yeah. obviously very smart. Yeah, and but it's, so it's, it's like, like what you said, building that common ground, and then you can kind of go from there. Yeah, and then for me, like, that always sparks in my head, especially if I disagree with them on, like, a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Once I get that common ground, I'm like, oh, he is smart. So why does he think the other thing? And like, it kind of makes me more curious. I'm like, wait, he, this guy's a smart guy. Why does he think something different than I do? Well, exactly. And then sometimes, I mean, even you may be able to break down certain biases that you've gotten in your own life, right? Like, cause if you realize like, oh, well, I agree with this guy on point A, B and C, I just don't on D, E and F. Like you may even start to analyze your own opinions on those other things that you disagree with him and realize that, hey, maybe I don't necessarily believe this, or maybe I believed it wrong or whatever, or Again, sometimes it just strengthens your resolve in that area and you realize, well, you know, like, no, I do really feel this way, but at least it gets you to challenge those opinions within yourself, right? And I think, again, I think that's really important is trying to have a bit of an open mind and, and really being intellectually honest. Yeah, dude. And I feel like, yeah, I think that my biggest, like my big, the thing that I keep coming back to right now over and over and over again in every aspect of my life when it comes up in conversations is just like, I don't understand why people just assume that they're fucking always right. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that like people could actually un think that they understand something. When we've been here for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, like we can read all these books. It's like, these guys are still trying to figure it out. Why the fuck do you think that you're the first genius that just like can figure shit out like that? 
Oh yeah. I think, I think that's important. And that's a massive bit of ego, right? Like, but I mean, that's one thing to keep in mind is that no matter what, no matter what challenge you're dealing with in life, somebody has already faced that and accomplished it, right? Like we like to think that we're the, we're the first people to ever encounter a problem, right? Where, you know, we, you can draw on other people's inspiration or other people's advice. And a lot of the times you'll realize that people have gone through it. You know, I mean, for me, for example, I'm not going to try to bring the podcast down at all, but when we had, uh, the miscarriage, like we didn't know that that was a common thing or that people experienced this all over the place until it happened. And then we started to open up about it, my wife and I, and we realized like, holy shit, like we have people in our family who have gone through this. Like, and so we were all of a sudden able to find all these people to draw inspiration and just tips from, or, you know, just, just different ways to tackle that situation and to move forward and grow stronger as a, as a couple, as a family, like, you know, it's amazing. No matter what hardship you're facing, I can guarantee you somebody's faced it and overcame it. And as soon as you start to open up about that, talk about it, I, you may run into the most amazing bits of advice that never would have come to you or would have come to you after two to five years, whatever, whatever that time frame is. But just talk to people, ask people. Yeah, and I think that that actually could, uh, especially actually just kind of looping this back into social media as well. I think that that's kind of a cool opportunity that the more that we can talk about these things, because I think that the biggest thing, especially that's happening now, is like we're dealing with a lot of situations that we think that people haven't gone through before, right? So mm-hmm. we talk about, you know, this pandemic, we talk about social media, we talk about smartphones, we talk about all the technology we have. Like maybe the person four or five generations ago wasn't dealing with like cyberbullying through Instagram from all of their things, but they were dealing with the fear of judgment from other people. They were dealing with ridicule maybe on a mass scale relative to what it was for them right like it's like these fundamentally are common problems and we get so caught up in thinking that the issues that we deal with or the struggles that we're going through like it's like a like it like it's like it's individual to us like it's like it's an isolated experience that only we're gonna ever feel and it's like dude not only have thousands probably millions of people experienced exactly what you're feeling right now, the physical sensation and phenomenon, but like there's thousands, probably millions of people experiencing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good to keep in mind. Well, and the cool thing is, is more and more people because, you know, and, and you and I have joked about this as well, but it's, it's actually kind of a weird impact I'm noticing is because being a victim is almost celebrated more and more people are coming out and talking about things that they, you know, become a victim to. And it creates almost an archive of if I'm going through something right now, if I'm experiencing something, you know, obviously knock on wood, I don't have anything that, you know, I could possibly have a miscarriage, but you know, anything bad happens in my life right now. And I'm like, fuck, I feel like I'm the only one going through this, maybe a loss in my family or whatever. I can Google it or YouTube it and there's 900 videos of fucking how to deal with a loss in your family and all these different perspectives. And it's like, this actually almost connects our problems more. Yeah. I I think you're right. I think that is a huge positive of social media is being able to realize that, you know, there are people who can help you out in this, this situation and they have experienced it before. And, and going back to your, the comment about kind of the advantages of playing victim, there's actually a really great article uh, it's on the website Quillette. That's Q-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. 
Um, and the article is headlined The Evolutionary Advantages of Playing Victim. It was published on February 27th, 2021. But I definitely recommend anybody check that out because it's a fascinating read. And uh, well, looping back to UBC again, it was actually a study conducted at UBC that that kind of measured the psychological effects of this. So I just find it fascinating. It's something that I, yeah, I'd recommend anybody read. But Sorry, I figured can we... you repeat that one more time? Oh, it's... The, the evolutionary advantages of playing victim. Uh, the website is Quillette. It's a Canadian Canadian website. But uh, yeah, for you Americans out there, it's still legitimate science. It's not pseudoscience. So we, we've got some smart people up here too. Yeah, that's true. We actually can conduct it. We, we do a lot of ice experiments, a lot of igloo experiments, <laughs> hockey experiments. A lot of hockey experiments. experiments. Yeah, a lot of moose and hockey experiments, beer experiments, and maple syrup experiments. Boom. Yeah. That's our field of expertise. So I figured we could kind of close this on uh, just kind of a fun note. Like what are some, some things that drive you absolutely crazy on social media? And I'll give you an example of something that I just find funny that makes me laugh every time. But it's like, if you know, personally somebody, and let's say it's Valentine's day and you know, for a fact that they have a shitty relationship, but then every Valentine's Day, like they post this big lovey-dovey post. They post all this stuff to social media. And then you're just sitting there like looking at this on your phone. Like, I'm not even going to like this because I know what this is like behind the scenes. Like I hear you. I hear you dogging like your your husband or your wife all the time. Like this is just laughable to me. Yeah, dude. You know what I think, you know, and this this comes from like my own little mental health thing. And it kind of does, you know, stem on the victim thing. I fucking hate the bragging about failing. dude. I, I fucking hate that, man. I really do hate that. That's one thing that really fires me up about social media is, is like the bragging about, oh, how, how much I suck or how much my life sucks. Like, why are you bragging about that? Dude? Like, I remember growing up, like as a kid, and maybe this is like the toxic masculinity thing. But like, I didn't really want people to know about all my flaws and how I sucked. I wanted people to know about where I was good at. And then I would work on my flaws. You know what I mean? That fires me up, dude. But the yeah, I'd say that was, that's probably the number one thing that pissed me off over social media, man. I could go on forever, though. <laughs> I, I get that sense looking looking at the look on your face right now too but yeah yeah i i get i think you're gonna really like that article then if that's one of the things that drives you most nuts about social media but yeah for me it's for me it's that like i just it's just funny like when you know that the the aspects of somebody's real life and then then the show that they're trying to put on it just it just makes you shake your head and laugh right like who are you trying to fool like just don't you want to be happy? Why do you, why do you want us to think you're happy? Just be happy. Yeah. hundred percent. Dude, that actually just reminded me, I'm going to sneak in one more thing. I really hate about social media just because it fires me up, man. And you were talking about this earlier, how becoming like controversial is becoming mainstream. Have you mm -hmm. noticed more and more people are actually like people were like, you're like, I never thought you would have had this opinion or anything like that. Dude, more and more people are coming out and they're saying like controversial things. And even if I agree with them, I'm like, yo, shut the fuck up. I feel like you're doing this for attention. Like you don't give a shit about this. Why are yeah. you talking about it? you're just saying it because you're just trying to ruffle feathers. Yeah, I get that sense too. I, I think a lot of the time it just comes to, you know, people, people want to stand out, right? Like it's that dopamine hit from getting the likes, from getting the comments, from getting the attention, right? Like it just seems to be, but I'm with you completely. Like I, you know, and again, that's why I don't try to comment too much or get in too many arguments. It's like they're trying to become martyrs, right? Like, it's like, yeah. man, 
it's like, dude, we get it. Okay, you don't agree, but you don't have to just say it like that. Yeah, that fires me up. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think, I think it all, it all comes back to yeah, like uh, just trying to stand out, right? I mean, trying to stand out, get the likes, get that dopamine hit, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, it all calms down now once we start to get outside again, socialize, and I'm hoping it normalizes a little bit. And and again, I'm hoping, like I, I hate being a Debbie Downer on this podcast. Like, I feel like that's what I've been doing for the past like two months now, but I, I don't know. I, I think it's just the whole effects of the, of, of the lockdowns and of just everything being online. And it really just drives you a little bit crazy. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to summer and to getting outside and, you know, traveling a little bit more and yeah, I don't know. I hope it normalizes quick. Look at that. Montreal just uh, punched their ticket into the third round of the Stanley Cup and uh, the streets are going crazy over there. Everybody's ecstatic. So it's a good sign. I'm happy. I'm happy. It looks like uh, the normal streets in Montreal again come playoffs. Well, uh, as long as Toronto is not doing well, right? Oh, yeah. No, they're long gone. <laughs> I feel like that. As long as, as long as we can agree on the Toronto doing really poorly, I, I kind of got no skin in the game. My hockey team sucks, man. I wish I could say I'm a I'm an avid Vancouver fan. I I haven't even been paying attention this season, to be honest, but I'm, I'm a Chicago fan, and we just suck every year now. So it's just, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we both suck. I'm a Canuck fan. They both suck this year. So Yeah, we can just hate the Leafs together, bro. <laughs> Perfect. All right, man. Well, I'll, uh, I'll let you get going tonight. It's getting late. Thanks for hopping on with me, and uh, yeah, we'll talk again soon. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody that listens to this. Check out my podcast if you want. I'm going to shamelessly plug myself. Hey, Mark. Yep, go for it. Every every podcast platform you possibly can. But, yeah, Zach and I have had quite a few chats together, and I plan on having some more. I'm hoping he's aligned with that. But it was wicked. Thank you so much, brother. And thank you for everybody that's listening in and supporting Zach and me. Awesome, man. Well, have a good one, and uh, we'll definitely talk again soon. Oh, yeah, brother. Have a good night, man. You too. All right, everyone, that's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and you're interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you have given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support, and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you all again soon.